Imagine being present, calm, and connected while creating a family environment where everyone can thrive. Welcome to the I Am Mom Parenting Podcast, providing inspiration and actionable steps to manifest the meaningful and magical life you desire for you and your family. We are your hosts, Dimple Aurora, founder of Mindful Evolution and Shaista Fateli, founder of Thrive Kids. Thank you for sharing the I Am Mom journey with us. Let's get started. Hey, today on the podcast, we are super excited to have an amazing conversation about how we as parents are actually architects of our child's lives, in particular, in the first 18 to 20 years, or 6,570 days to be exact. Our guest today is Nellie Hardin. Nellie is a family life and leadership coach and the founder of the 6570 Family Project. Nellie focuses on helping parents eliminate power struggles with their daughters and helps them to grow into confident, wise, and respectful young women who are ready to face the world. Welcome, Nellie. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on. It's a pleasure to talk with both of you. Nellie, I love what you're doing. The work that you're doing is so fabulous. And you are a mom to four daughters as well. So it's very fitting to have you uh, helping these young women and to, to help them through these, the sweet spot age of you said nine to 18 years is what you mostly focus on. So that's wonderful. Now, can you tell us a little bit about your journey and the 6570 project? Why did you create it? And what is it all about? Yeah, absolutely. So, and with my life and all of our experiences, you know, we as adults can look back and just see the road that has been laid behind us. And it's so much more clear than when you're on it. Right. And, um, so even back when I was myself, nine to 18 years old, I had, I had a lot of different, uh, things happening when I was a child, my dad passed away when I was one, and then it was my mom and I, and then my mom remarried. And then I had siblings, you know, in there and, and I'm just looking at that time for me. And there was just a lot of different wheels turning, which made my head spin a little bit. Right. And there was so many things happening and moving. And I, I really didn't have a great sense of who I was. I definitely didn't have a great, uh, sense of confidence. I wasn't very respectful of myself. Um, and I definitely lacked in some wisdom as far as personal wisdom, interpersonal wisdom. Um, and when I was quote unquote, you know, released to the adult world and it was like, here you go. And I was, you know, dropped off at college and my family was now seven hours away. And I was just left to my own accord without having some of those really deep seated foundations in me, it led me to some really bad roads. And I ended up getting really hurt and it, uh, which led to, you know, a lot of shame cycles and a lot of things that went on for decades later into my life. And so when I then had four daughters of my own, um, and now they're 16, 14, 14, and 12, twins in the middle. I feel like I always have to explain that, but, um, so I, you know, with four daughters of my own and 
we went through a situation back in 2010 where my husband almost passed away and he had to have heart surgery. And I just saw these things happening. And after he, he was out and he made it, he's happy and healthy in here today. Um, but after he got out five weeks later, one of my twins had a non-fatal drowning accident. And so we were just woken up and woken up and woken up over and over again from that, you know, my kids are little survival state that we had put ourselves in after we went through three years of infertility and then four kids in four years. And so we were like, just going through it. And we were like, okay, I know that we, our time is not guaranteed. I know that I want something to come out of this childhood experience for them other than I survived and I'm now 18. So whatever. And I, I knew that there was things that we wanted to get out of it as parents too, right? It's, it's also 18 years of our lives. And so putting all of that together, finding where we wanted to go and then behaving and doing actions back then in order to serve that goal that we wanted to get to and make sure that our girls leave this house with confidence, respect, and wisdom to set them up uh, for the future. That's where it really all started. And the 6570, that is how many days I had to do it. And some of those, many of those had already gone, right? They were in the rear view mirror. And so just really being very intentional with ourselves. And then after a couple of years and researching and diving and I have a background in biology and psychology, you know, and I was using all of that. And then I started just talking with other families and other families were reaching out to me. And this was, you know, a decade plus ago. And so, um, then I just started working with families, uh, back then on different disciplines and helping, uh, families make, uh, turns and pivots in their family. And that's really where it all came from. You know, you mentioned this, uh, some of the days were gone, right? Out of the 70, the 65, yeah. 70, right? And and when we think about those critical years and like the first six to seven years of a child's life where they are being subconsciously, you know, programmed, we could say, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's sometimes parents feel so heartening, disheartened. It's like, oh my, you know, I all this time is gone. And now how do I, how do I help my child and rewire what has been programmed. Do you have any experience with that? I do. And, and first also, I want to say in there that how interesting is it that when we are during that first, you know, six, seven, eight years of our child's life, especially our firstborns, we don't know what we're doing as parents. Like we are just learning how to be responsible for another human being in their life. And by the way, side note, there are all these permanent uh, intentions and all these permanent things are happening in your child's life, depending on what you're doing as you're learning. I mean, that is a lot of pressure. Actually, just um, yesterday, I helped a friend of ours. I was in the delivery room and I helped her bring her daughter into the world. And I was, I was just looking at this tiny little six pound, eight ounce, you know, little nugget. And she was so beautiful. And I was like, wow, your 6570 is starting right now right now. And this is a first baby, uh, you know, for, for my, uh, great friend. And, um, I'm just, and I'm looking at her and she's just figuring it out too. Right. This was an unexpected pregnancy and all of this. And so I was, I, I think it's important to, you know, build some people around you that have been there before. And, you know, it's one of the reasons I think coaching and mentoring is so important, but also having that village, right. Having people around you that can serve you in that respect, but yes, if you have gone through that time and I've, I've seen this happen before people have gone through that time and said, well, 
I didn't do squat or I quote unquote, you know, screwed them up or messed them up. So I guess, you know, I don't get a do over and I guess it just is what it is, but that's not the case at all. There's so much development, beautiful development that can happen even in the second half, uh, second half of childhood, right? There's this grand transition that happens in the first, you know, part of childhood, you're building life for them. Right. And in the second half of childhood, you're partnering with them and building life with them. Mm -hmm. And so even if you didn't check all the boxes you might've wanted to check, or you find out later that I, you know, I just didn't do what I, I, you know, was quote unquote supposed to do the shoulds, right. Um, which I don't like the shoulds, uh, but, um, you didn't do it. It's okay. You still have time, vulnerability conversations, uh, you know, diving deep, having those disciplines in there and discipline does not mean, um, you know, punishment, right. Discipline is teaching. And so, Having all of those components in there during the second half of childhood, you can definitely turn things around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's like um, a tree, right? I mean, there's pruning that takes place, but then it also like the leaves start to grow again and you're able to really make um, these connections with your kids. And what I hear a lot is um parents who are struggling with making connections with their kids because they feel as though, as we mentioned, that so much time has been gone or I have have already created this situation and there's no turning back. What are some ways that parents can create connections with their children and have that sense of joy and happiness in their days when they are living together in this experience. Yeah, I would say the first thing that needs to happen, which is what we hear so much of today is you have to drop the power struggles because if you are stuck in a power struggle tornado and this, the storm, nothing productive is going to happen. So you have to take power struggles off the table. So you can see what's on the table, right? And so I always say, you know, drop the rope and pull up a chair. So if there's this tug of war happening, I told you to do this. Well, I don't want to do this, but I told you to do do this. You have to do what I tell you to do. Why? Because I'm your parent. So, well, because, you know, and it's just this, this inane back and forth and the, the child during this time think about it. Like they are trying to establish their independence as they should be during that time. But instead of helping them establish that independence, it's working against you because you're also trying to establish your, your massive authority. Right. And so if you are constantly playing these, these tug of war games of clean your room, do your homework, you know, you can only be friends with who I say you can be friends with. You can only have your phone during when I say you can. And I am not saying don't have boundaries because boundaries are very, very important, but they have to come from a place where your kid understands where they're coming from. It's not just that the parent says it's so, so it is right. That's a very, antiquated parenting philosophy that I know I had some of growing up. I know my mom definitely had some, right? Kids are to be seen and not heard. You do what you're told because I told you to do it. You're the kid, I'm the parent, like all these things. And so um, having understanding there. So drop the power struggles, but how do you do that? You have to open yourself up to being vulnerable as the parent. And you have to be the first one to make the move because your kid is guarded, right? And they're trying to establish this independence. They're not going to think in their head, 
I know what to do with mom and dad. I need to go in their room and be super vulnerable and then everything will be okay. Right? No, they're never going to think that. So you have to make the first move, which isn't comfortable, but parenting is not comfortable. There is, I mean, parenting is not comfortable from the very get-go, especially for women. Parenting is not comfy. Right. And so, um, you know, having those conversations of you can see that they're, um, they're suffering in some way, and they're either showing it by looking depressed, looking glum, making certain actions, or they're showing it by being really rude or really sassy, right? All of that comes from the same insecure place where self-esteem is in a valley. And so whatever the outcome, the action is, that's not the root cause, right? An action is like step four of a thought process. And that's what you're seeing. And you can take notes and observe and see if there's any, you know, similarities or consistencies or trends that are happening there, but go back, go back and, and be like, you know, I wonder what the thought process is here, what they're feeling in order to have what they're deciding in order to have this action. Mm -hmm. And so that's going to take vulnerability, sitting down, being very calm and being able to connect with them and say, you know what, I've noticed these things lately, right? I've noticed that you're behaving or you're choosing to do this, right? Try to stay away from the, you are statements because you are statements turn into, I am statements. And we, a lot of those, you are is when you're sitting down in a confrontational type, um, uh, conversation are not going to be great. I am statements later on in life. Right. <laughs> and so, um, Anyway, but sit down, right? Drop the rope, pull up a chair, be vulnerable, be very curious, ask a lot of questions and listen. And they might not be very long answers in the beginning because they're going to be like, what are mom and dad up to? What are mom and dad up to? But then the, the last piece of that is share, share pieces of you, right? Your kids need to see you as more than just parenting authority figures. They need to see you as people who have been there and that want to serve them as, as a parent to get them to this adult phase. And in order to do that, you're going to have to open up your own exterior a bit and be like, you know, at work today, oh, this thing happened and it was really hard. Or, you know what, when I was 15 years old, this thing happened to me, that was really hard. I really haven't told many people about it, but I don't, I don't know. I feel like I should tell you about it right now for some reason. And just open up about whatever is relative to what they're going through right now, because it will help. And you'll, you never want to like tower over them when you're talking to them, right? Mm -hmm. Eye to eye, sitting down, calm, uh, curious and connecting with them through vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I find that a lot of those conversations, I think a couple things, there has to be the intent there mm -hmm. with the parent. And there also has to be this idea of, having it um, in an authentic, organic kind of way, right? So for example, like dropping off to school or picking up or when you're playing a game, when you are in this, I get this question quite a bit, mm -hmm. these kinds of conversations or talking with or being with your children, when should they occur? Should they occur when you're in this power battle mm -hmm. or should they occur at a time when your child can cognitively understand what's happening, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. And I, um, one of the tools that I, I highly recommend because you don't want to talk you know, with anyone, a spouse, a friend or whatever, if you are heated, things are going to come out of your mouth that you really don't mean. Right. Mm -hmm. And for they, they feel good on the tongue for about 
two seconds and then you're like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Right. And we need those filters in us for a reason. Um, so one of the great tools that we use in our home and I, I also teach is writing letters. And so if I'm in a heated, you know, I say heated, you know, it's not like ever you know, heated, heated, but if I'm in a conversation, a confrontation with my kid and I can see things are just spiraling down, right? I am uh, getting to a point that I'm super frustrated and, or they are, and what they're saying just doesn't even make sense anymore. They're just trying to come up, come up with comebacks, right. Or something like that. I just, we, I'm like, you know what, we just need to take a pause here. Why don't you go up to your room? It's not a go to your room situation, right? Why don't you go up to your room so you can calm down and you can be in silence, right? And, and you don't have all this stuff around you. And I would really love for you to write me a letter, like write me a letter. Sometimes I've even used it as a writing exercise, like write a five paragraph paper, right? I've done it. I homeschool. So, um, there's that, um, so, uh, and, but I, I don't grade them on, on, uh, their, uh, punctuation on these. <laughs> I will say that. <laughs> I skip that, but it also is good, you know, for them. All to uppercase letters. Right. I'm like, oh, the, you know, this is great, but that comma shouldn't be there. No, no, no. Um, so, but I, I have them write a letter and it's always like, tell me what's going on. Tell me what led to this. Can you tell me what might've been maybe a better approach to this, um, in the future and tell me what you want from me and how I can support you in what you are going through. Cause right now I'm very unclear and I want to help you, but I don't know how to help you. So can you go do that for me? You guys, these are like the most priceless letters ever. I have a box, a wooden box in my closet that I keep all of these in. And I, I, on the back of them, I put their name and date on them and they are gold, uh, to come back to later on in a true sense of them learning and processing something. And sometimes they're just really funny. <laughs> Yeah. I'll be honest. Yeah. Sometimes they're just really funny. And so that, I love that strategy. You know, at my daughter's birthday was yesterday and she turned nine. Okay. And every year I write her a letter yeah. on her birthday. And it's just even modeling that habit for them and, and, and journaling and getting mm -hmm. your feelings out, being able to process. It's so useful. Yeah. And I want to go back a little bit to when you were talking about parents to, uh, for us to end the power struggles and we have to be mm. calm and we have to come from a peaceful place. Now we are all a product of our upbringings. Yes. And so we may not have the right, the right reactions when we get triggered. So how would you suggest parents do the work to drop that ego in parenting? Well, this is one of the reasons why in my, in the coaching that I do and the program that I have mapped to maturity, a lot of it as, especially in the first section, which is all about vision, we have to address those things because two parents are going to come to parenting with two very different perspectives. And so we, I want to help you establish, you know, what, what are the core beliefs that you're bringing in? What are, what are you bringing in? What do you want to stop? Right. What do you want to hold on to? And what do you want to start? And we really kind of take that uh, approach so that we can apply it to what we've already established as our goal as to what, where they want to be, what they want their kids to take out of childhood. But that's a very important fact because I know me, 
tempers run heavy in my family. Like my, uh, not my, um, family here, but growing up, I mean, tempers are, are big and my, te- which means my temper can also be big, but that's not something I wanted to bring into parenting. And once I became very cognizant of that, I was able to do something about it. Right. Because so many people are, are with their kids and they're like, Oh, I can't believe I just said that. So it's totally something my mom or my dad or whatever would have said, and I'm turning into them, right? That's, a, that's always a common thing. I'm turning into them. And so if we are working to, you know, if, if we're working together as a family, then I want to make sure that I am parenting in the way that I want to parent in order to get the outcomes that we want to have. And it's, it's just really this whole awareness field around that. And it's going to take tools on your part, right? Because when I'm doing, you know, when I do parent coaching, it's not for just the kid, right? Parent coaching, it's, it's the whole family comes together. I look at a family as a team. The parents are the, are the captains, right? And then the kids are, but it's the whole team working together. And there's many times that I'm having an issue. And one of my kids comes up and talks to me about it. And it's like, you know, I'm really sorry you're having a bad day or this or that. And one of the things that we did as a family in order to bring that team mentality in is we started a family business back in 2018, which we love and it's great. But honestly, it, it took all six of us working together in order to do this. And my kids were, I mean, that was what, four years ago. So they were eight, 10, 10, and 12 when we started that business. And it was just a great exercise and it still is about all six of us sitting down, having actual discussions actually hearing one another out. So it was a, it was a good way to mirror what we want to see in the family, but using this as a vehicle to do it, right? People are heard. Um, your ideas are valued and valid and, uh, you know, they can even be used. It's not like you're just a kid. So you know, poo-poo on you or what have yeah. you. Our kids, our kids, not our kid. Well, our, our kids are great too, <laughs> but everybody's kids, they're brilliant. And there's, they just have these little minds that think outside of the boxes that our perspectives as adults have really um, pinned us in, especially if we're not aware of it. So long answer to your question uh, would just be that you need to figure out tools as a parent to figure out what kind of parent you want to be and where you want to take that child. And then actually come up with the tools in order to get there, how to stay calm, right? How, what questions to ask, um, in those situations? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, a lot of it has to do with how we were parented ourselves, yeah. right? And these records that are ingrained in our subconscious system and it becomes a pattern then. And when we are parenting our kids, the record keeps going, right? This pattern just keeps going and going and going until we have what you said, this awareness of it, right? Right. And we have this innate understanding that, okay, this is not working anymore. I need to rewind this record. I need to change (laughs) this pattern. Now, I know that you work with a lot of parents on this type of work. Mm -hmm. Is there one practical strategy that people can do to try and rewire this programming that they have? Yeah, 
one of the things I would often say is, you know, people that come in and there's good baggage and we want to keep the good baggage, right? And and those things that we take out of our parent or our own upbringing that were uh, great and we want to pass those on. Um, but there's a lot that isn't so great too. And one of the biggest things you can go back and do is stop being a victim of it, right? You have to take yourself out of being a victim of what happened and understand why what happened happened. And it wasn't because your parent didn't like you, right? It wasn't because they are a bad person or what have you. A lot of times it's because hurt people, hurt people, or confused people pass on that confusion, or they just didn't know how they didn't have the tools themselves. But understanding that whoever in your past did this or was an accomplice to this, they were doing the best that they could with what they had. And now you have a chance to do the best you can with what you have, right? And so when you can wrap around that, then you're like, okay. And forgiveness comes with that, which takes so much off the shoulders. Right. And so that's often an exercise we go back in and everyone's story is so different and everyone's situation is so different, but just going back and being able to look at why what happened happened and that they did the best they could with what they had is very, very uplifting. And that's not, that's not a decision that can just be made like listening to this, be like, oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. I'm so yeah. good now. Right. It, it's a process that we go through. Um, but that is really practical, like practical and tactical as, as far as what we are doing. Um, but it's messy. We're messy humans. Right. And you're so right. And which is why the 6570 has that generational return on what you're doing, because everything that we do as adults, uh, you know, our childhood, that 6570 is the cement of our lives and yes, it can change. But in order to change it, it's much harder. Like you got to take the jackhammer to it then, right? And you got to make these real changes. But our reflexes that we have always go back to that. And we have to then like, there's so many of, you know, my own reflexes or what have you that I'm like, oh, that's my reflex. Wait a second. This is not what I want to do. Okay. I got to move. <laughs> yeah. Like pivot and go. Right. And so, um, just being more aware of that and helping understand that, okay, I'm having issues with this do I want my kid to also have issues with this? And the answer yes. is usually no. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. This is, I I'm so, I'm so passionate about breaking generational patterns mm -hmm. and healing our lineage and it, and we have that opportunity. It's such a, it's such a blessing to have that opportunity. And especially when we start with this, knowing that we have these you know, 6,000 plus days, right, to do it. And it's, it's, it's such a privilege. And so we spoke about power struggles, we spoke about uh, breaking generational patterns, dropping our egos. Now, what are some in that, you know, 6,570 days, <laughs> what are some like, that's 18 years, right? Like right. our kids are with us for such a short time it's 18 you know 17 or 18 summers basically right. and so what are some of the other considerations that parents main considerations that parents can focus on to ensure that we are launching our kids into success in their adult life and there's so much but yeah. Yeah. we could talk about them for hours but <laughs> just some of the main ones that you see are pivotal well 
one of the things we have to understand about our kids is that every one of them is different. I have four kids that I call four corners of a square because they are so different. I mean, even the Mm -hmm. twins, they're so, so different. And so one of the best things that you can do as a parent is get to know your child for your child, right? And understand that, like I, I was saying, during the first nine years, you're building for them. During the second, you're partnering and building with them. And that means that you're helping build their identity, right? And identity is not something that you go and find and it's out in a field and you're like, identity, where are you, right? Who are, and all these things. You build that, um, you know, partnered with your child um, over time. And you're just discovering these different things and having different experiences and, and having those conversations. So right there, I would say that's the biggest thing is the conversations, the communication, but in a way you have to be able to speak in a way that they understand. And that takes knowing how they learn things. It takes knowing their personality, right? It takes knowing, um, how to discipline them and teach them in a way that they'll actually be taught. You know, I have, like I was saying with my four kids, I cannot discipline them all the same. If I look at one cross-eyed, she's like, okay. And if I, you know, sit until I'm blue in the face, if I did, and one saying you can't do this because of X, Y, Z to triple Z, they'd be like, it still doesn't make sense to me, you know? (laughs) And so, and I'm going to do it anyway. And so, um, really understanding who they are and helping them formulate those goals and where they want to go, that's what's imperative, right? And so, because then they'll be able to go out into the world with that confidence. If they don't, if they don't know who they are, if they haven't been able to have real conversations, if they haven't been through struggle and been able to find a way to the other side, you know, Jim Rohn says discipline is the bridge between goal and accomplishment, right? And that's, we want to get them to this this uh, beautiful place of self-disciplined leadership before they leave home, you know, they'll keep growing it uh, for the rest of their lives, but they need to have that seed of, of truth of being able to have self-disciplined leadership before they leave home, which will set them up for their success in the future. And that success can look like a boardroom, or it could look like running a family, running a home or a 501c3, or you know, whatever success just looks like doing the best at what they have a passion and drive to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And helping children when they're young to realize this and their potential is most imperative, right? Because we have that ability to nurture this passion that they have. And what happens over the years, as we know, is that it gets lost, right? And there's the power struggles that you talked about come into play. And many more challenges come into play. And even though in the back of our minds, we um, want to get there, there's so many obstacles that prevent us from doing that. Mm. And there must be with a lot of the, the clients that you work with a lot of challenges that you see. Oh yeah. What are some of the common, um, what's the common thread here that you see in terms of challenges? In terms of challenges, definitely. Um, I would say the number one, and I've done polls of well over a hundred people interviews just this year. It's, you know, in 2022 and we're early in 2022 Mm -hmm. and the number one struggle is social media. 
And I feel like social media is something that is talked about, talked about, talked about. These are all the implications. This is what is happening. And there's not solutions that are coming alongside with that. And it's a real problem because our young women, especially today, but also young men are being exposed to this earlier and earlier and earlier, whether you allow it in your house or not, it is influencing the entire world, right? It's influencing their friends, their teachers, their friends, parents, um, you as a parent and all of, all of all aspects. I don't know of a, maybe some indigenous forest dwelling, you know, wonderful tribes somewhere are not affected by social media. Um, but if you're outside of that, you are, you know? And, um, so that is the biggest thing really struggling with self-esteem issues because our, our kids brains are on all the time. Now they don't have that rest and recuperation period. They go to bed and they wake up and they're like, who said what, right? It's FOMO constantly, you know, fear of missing out constantly. It's 24 seven social world. And, it's not allowing that processing to happen. And so that's why our kids are going on this huge roller coaster of emotions every single day. And they're like, I'm super happy. Oh, wait, I didn't, you know, I didn't get a lot of likes. I'm super sad. Oh, but this person said something to me. Oh, but I just learned what they said. Right. And it's, it's just so much coming in so much input coming in and it's bombarding our kids' brains. I mean, it's bombarding our brains as adults, but Thankfully, we remember a time before the cell phone, right? I got my first cell phone my sophomore year of college, I think. And um, so that's also an issue is that parents are not understanding how to parent kids that are growing up with this from day one, right? Because we didn't have it in day one. And the all also the fact is that technology is literally changing daily. And so if you do finally nail down your secret formula or what have you, then it's going to change tomorrow. So there's that there's new platform coming out. There's a new trend, right? My, my kid's school had to shut down all bathrooms in the high school this year because, um, kids were stealing soap dispensers. And I was like, well, that's really, you know, great to steal soap dispensers in a pandemic. Let's go, you know, and it's just insane. I was like, how can a trend on some social media platform mean my kid can't wash her hands after she goes to the bathroom, you know? So it, it is affecting everything and especially that self-esteem issue. And if you don't have self-esteem, you can't develop self-confidence and then you are not going to have that self-awareness and going in to adulthood with understanding who you are and where your boundaries are, where your, you know, moral intentions are and all of these things. And it can really be a formula for failure for you right there. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, and failure is not a bad thing, but when you're set up, to fail, that mm-hmm. is a, a downward spiral that you don't want to be on, right? We want to set up for success and fail along the way. That is, that is great, but you don't want to set up for failure. Right. And so, um, that's my, my number one. And then when we talk about generational or, you know, socioeconomic and things like that, that's also an issue. We have a lot of money mindsets, a lot of financial mindsets that need to be helped. And we have a lot of, um, anger and aggression issues, um, that need to be helped and things like that. But yeah, that I would definitely say social media is the one I hear. I mean, tens of times a day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I just feel like there's so much access and it's easier to access it. Like even when you try and you 
to not give them that access, they're going to find it somewhere, some way, right? Right. Like it's all over. It's everywhere. And um, that comparison happens, right? Yes. Where you see what this person is doing or this person is wearing and you feel like you're not and you have to live up to it, right? right. You have yeah. to get there. And you know, I, it's so interesting that you brought up the social media today because even this morning, I, I had a mom contact me that she found some messages, uh, DMs that her daughter was participating in that could have turned in to be very, very dangerous. Yeah. And it's 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 definitely a, a scary world. And and the kids are starting younger. They have access to actually people have access to them. Right. when they're on social media mm-hmm. right and and it's it's a big problem and and we do plan to have someone on the podcast uh about the more talking more about this topic because it's become so prevalent right now and uh it's 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 huge and you're right we don't have solutions but we see where the problem lies but we don't have the solutions and to be honest even as parents i believe we don't fully understand the depth of it Right. The depth I'm not of what's sure happening. even Zuckerberg understands the depth yeah. of it, to be honest. Yeah. And, and this is where, you know, the work comes in too. We are not as parents, especially right. Layman, non, you know, non googly Facebooky, you know, uh, CEOs, we're not going to be able to control that. Right. But what we can do is teach our child how to control themselves and put up self boundaries. So, you know, if you can't control everything that's happening out there, it, it doesn't matter what new parenting app comes out tomorrow that says you can turn off, you know, A, B, C, D, and E, and then they won't have access to all of this. And it's like, okay, well, that's great. But what happens when that gets hacked into what happens when there's a new, you know, go around for that. So teaching our kid how to have those self boundaries, that really is the key. And that's when you're, you know, you're hitting the the nail on the head right there. And you are going with uh, patient zero, if you know, so to speak, with, uh, with teaching your kid that mm-hmm. that is, that's wonderful. That's amazing. I love what you just said. And it's teaching them their own self control, giving them enough self esteem to know what is respectfully authentic and feels right to them. Right. And giving them that opportunity to, to make right choices. Yeah. I I love this conversation, Nellie. It's been amazing. You've touched on so much here. Where can our listeners find you and find out more about your work? Um, I am a simple girl, so I love one place for everything. Um, And so my website, uh, if you go there, NellieHarden.com, you'll be able to find me on social. I'm on Instagram. Um, I have a wonderful parents, uh, uh, private parents group on Facebook called the family architects club. And, um, I call parents architects because we're literally building and designing the beginning of someone else's life. So hence the name family architects club. Um, but yes, everything on there, uh, that is all me. You can find on my website, nellieharden.com. Awesome. Any final words you want to leave our parents with today? Yeah, I would just say there's still time. You know, I encourage you to go over to whatever device, or you could do it by hand if you're one of those, you know, super mathy people (laughs) and um, figure out how many days it has been since your, your child's birthday, their literal birth date, right? 
figure out how many days it's been, subtract that from 6570, and you'll know generally about how many days you have left in order to prepare them for the adult world. You know, I, my, the first part of my career, I uh, dealt with the wild. I was a marine mammologist and I dealt with uh, things out there. And the whole purpose of childhood is to prepare your child for adulthood, right? Mm-hmm. And us messy humans, we throw a lot of other things in there and we have a lot of um, other things we need to teach them in there in order to prepare because we're humans. Um, but that's why we have 18 years to do it. So figure out how many days you have left and know and be intentional with each one of those. Awesome. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure having you and we love the work you're doing. Take care and we hope you enjoyed listening. We will talk to you next week on the I Am Mom podcast. Thank you for joining us on the I Am Mom parenting journey. If you enjoyed today's episode, please follow us and head on over to iTunes to leave us a review. We invite you to check out the show notes for this episode and click on the link to join our free Facebook community to stay connected and continue the conversation with other like-minded moms. Until next time, stay inspired, take action, and create magic.